Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello. Well, if you've been tuning in over the past couple of weeks, you'll have heard me talk about my study routine at university and how I wish that in hindsight, I'd made meditation a part of that. And by meditation, I'm thinking in particular about mindfulness training, which is really a simple and effective way to give the attention muscle in your brain a bit of a workout uh, and help it to grow stronger. You'll have heard Chris Bailey, uh, the productivity expert I talked to a couple of weeks ago, say a very similar thing. And the reason we're both saying that is because in the years since Chris and I were both university students ourselves, the body of research on the benefits of mindfulness practice has really exploded. You're going to hear from my guest today uh, that we now know that regularly practising mindfulness can have all sorts of benefits for students, from lower stress and anxiety, building focus and concentration, having positive benefits for your physical and mental health, and maybe even contributing to learning and memory. To talk us through what mindfulness is, how it works, and how you can start to practice it for yourself, I'm joined today by Claire Kelly, who leads on training at the Mindfulness in Schools Project, which is a major not-for-profit organisation who work with teachers to bring mindfulness to schools around the world. So let me introduce you to Claire, and let's dive right in. My name's Claire Kelly. Uh, My official title is Director of Curricula and Training. Uh, and I work with a, a UK charity called Mindfulness in Schools Project. And our main work is really around um, supporting schools, uh, developing materials, involving some mindfulness training, plus a few other bits and pieces, like sort of um, a little bit of neuroscience and some social and emotional learning. And then we mainly, we train teachers to then be able to teach it. But we do lots of other work as well, lots of sort of advocacy work, and we're, we're interested in research. Um, we're part of a, an organisation called the Mindfulness Initiative, which kind of functions out of Parliament to kind of d- develop how mindfulness is supporting different aspects of life in the UK. And, and we do lots of work outside of the UK as well, kind of international. I should say my background is also in education. I was a teacher for 25 years. Wonderful. So you mentioned that word mindfulness. Could you perhaps just unpack what we mean by mindfulness? What what does that mean and why is it important? Um, maybe it's best to start with what it isn't. And I say that because at the last count, I recently did a quick Google search on the word mindfulness and it came up with 244 million search results. Wow. And I think quite a lot of it out there is wonderful but there's also quite a lot that's rather misleading about what it is and it isn't. And people, people who come to train with us usually arrive thinking it's a wonderful form of relaxation or, uh, you know, it's something that's going to solve a particular problem for them. And while both of those things are possible, that's certainly not, not the intention. So mindfulness is a technique that you can, anybody can try. And it's kind of using a natural human capacity we have, which is to start to work with this thing called attention and begin to become familiar with how 
this attention works and how the human mind can be both very helpful, but also can really be not helpful at all. So it's a form of training, attention training as a kind of baseline. And then from there, you go on to learn more about things like how thoughts can take you over a little bit or take you on little journeys that perhaps you wouldn't choose to go on. It looks at things like how the the human brain is designed to help us survive, but with a very specific remit to uh, do that for life-threatening situations. And what we haven't done is evolved in such a way that we can tell the difference, or rather our mind and body can tell the difference between what is life-threatening and what is actually just a little bit of a stressor. So we learn how to work skillfully with that. And then the mindfulness really is a practice as well, or it's a series of practices that you learn to help then facilitate this learning about attention and the the brain and the mind and and the body. do a lot of work with the body as well. Mm. So it's something that's being used increasingly generally with the public, but also with schools. And from the, the point of view of exams, it can be profoundly helpful. I'm not suggesting it's going to make you get A-star grades. Like <laughs> I can't do that. But, but certainly there are certain things that it can support you with that will help you kind of improve the experience and hopefully the outcome of the exams. So maybe let's, let's dive into that in a little bit more detail. What, what sort of aspects of the experience would you consider mindfulness practice to be most helpful with? Well, there's, a, there's a, a growing body of research around this, generally with adults, but then increasingly with young people in schools. The kinds of things that are coming up consistently as, as kind of positive benefits in these research studies are things like memory, improving memory, mm. obviously improving concentration, because that's what we're focusing on with the attention training part of mindfulness, mental health, physical health. This wonderful thing called metacognition, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but just just so that for people who are listening who maybe don't know what it is, it's sort of this this great capacity we have to kind of step back from thinking and kind of just notice how it is. So rather than being caught up in it, which is what we usually do, actually stepping back and going, oh, is that actually perhaps the best way of approaching this problem? Or is my thought pattern here helpful? Or is there another way of doing this? So it's kind of creating a space between the thinking and your own kind of reasoning, if you like. So those sorts of things. And then you also learn about how stress or rather anxiety, the emotional response to stress can be really helpful in terms of motivation and giving you energy, but can also quite quickly tip over into something that really isn't helpful, particularly when you're trying to learn material or you know, reason through questions, because we now know that that there are two parts of the brain here that we're talking about. One is the, the prefrontal cortex, where all the kind of sensible um, thinking and choice making is, which is obviously what you need for your, your work and your revision and your exams. But when you tip over into kind of greater forms of anxiety, something else kicks into action, which is the amygdala. And that's the part of the brain that's been designed for survival. And in those situations where our ancestors wanted to survive, they didn't have time to think. They had to act quickly. So (laughs) believe it or not, you know, your prefrontal cortex, the thing you need in a situation like an examination, stops working effectively because the amygdala is doing its job in preparing you for fight or flight. So what we do with mindfulness is train ourselves to notice when that's happening is the first step. And then the second step is to employ little practices and and exercises that we can do to help slow down 
the sympathetic nervous system and to to bring the prefrontal cortex back into kind of action again. That's a very brief and hugely oversimplified example of what we mean, but but it's quite useful to know when and notice that that moment where you're not just a little bit revved up and full of energy for your exam or your revision, but actually it's tipping into something that is less helpful and then have a strategy to help you to manage that and work skillfully with that. And th- thank you for condensing so much <laughs> research into such a clear explanation. And, and, and just so interesting, the, the sort of breadth of benefits you, you touched on, you know, right through from the ability to kind of concentrate and focus, potentially some benefits for, for memory to, you know, mental health and then, you know, managing anxiety and stress and, and being able to perform when you feel a bit of pressure on your shoulders. Also, one more thing I should have said, which is sleep. Absolutely. And one of the it kind of linked with anxiety, really. You know, one of the things that's really hard to do is sleep. When you're so full of adrenaline, which is one of the kind of chemicals that, that helps the stress response. So likewise, there are practices that we do. In fact, you can get one on YouTube, which I'll tell you about later, um, that that help you to notice when that's happening and then help you get to sleep. That's fascinating. I, I just wondered, do you have any particular stories that might sort of help to to bring this to life? Uh, yeah, I mean, lots. Um, I suppose the the ones that really stick in my memory are just students having having been taught some of this stuff coming back to me and just saying, you know, I used to think that the best way to work was to just keep on going mm. until I was exhausted mm. and then I would just stop. And what I've realised is that that's what's really useful is to notice when the mind isn't functioning terribly helpfully anymore. It's just too tired. The concentration isn't there. And then stepping away from that and when I stepped away from it before I'd go and do something that kind of completely overtook my attention such that going back to work was really hard and now what I'm doing is I'm actually doing a little practice so I just you know I I step away from my laptop or my books and I do one of these practices so that when I go back to the work actually my mind is clearer Uh, and it's also given my mind enough space to be able to kind of process all the stuff I've already learned so it just felt less overwhelming so that's one kind of regular thing students talk about nice and the other one actually is in exams itself so I I got very evangelical about mindfulness when I first started doing it and felt the benefits myself Um, so I decided I was going to teach all of my year 11 students mindfulness in preparation for their GCSE exams Um, so I, I did about five classes of 30 students in each and I at the time I have to say, you know, they don't all sit there beautifully, quietly waiting to be kind of taught the way of mindfulness. They do what they normally do, which is look a bit distracted or kind of zone out. So I thought maybe about 30% of them on a good day were really getting it and engaging. But it was on a day of um, an A-level examination, uh, so kind of three years later, and I had um, an invigilator call me up in my office and say Claire you need to come come down here right now and I thought oh no what's happened (laughs) and I went running downstairs and he met me at the door and he said they're being really weird (laughs) so I went into the hall and all of them who were sat there in that horrible moment where you've got your exam paper on the desk but you're not allowed to open it and every single one of them they were doing a practice I taught them which is known as Fofbok it stands for feet on floor body on chair or bottom on chair Uh Um, and it's something that you do when you notice you're anxious or you're not this whole kind of amygdala thing every single one of them looked to me like that was what they were doing because they had their eyes closed 
their gaze was down, their hands were in their lap. They just looked very still and very calm. And initially I thought, oh, you're having a laugh, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to wind us up. But there was no giggling. There was no sense of of them kind of having, having a bit of a joke. So I just asked the invigilator to start the exam, at which point every single one of them opened their eyes, took a big, deep breath, and then opened their paper and just calmly started writing. So even the ones who looked in the lessons themselves, the mindfulness lessons, looked like they they kind of weren't particularly interested. When it comes to it, they know exactly what to do. You know, they'll remember the skills and they use them. So, you know, in that moment, they knew, they all noticed a little bit of perhaps unhelpful anxiety and they chose to do a practice. Nobody told them to. They didn't tell each other to because they were sitting in silence and they just decided that's what they were going to, going to do to support themselves. There we are. For the teachers, just don't assume that they're not getting it if they're not sitting perfectly still and silently. That's my message. <laughs> that's so. That's such a powerful anecdote. I, I, I love that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think we can all, no matter how long it's been since we've last taken exams, remember that moment, um, you know, when you when you sit there and face that unopened paper in front of you and uh, feel the heart pumping and, you know, how, yeah. how wonderful just to have something to, to sort of quiet the mind and, and, and get focus. I'm going to finish this episode by asking Claire to lead us in a short mindfulness practice so you can see absolutely what it's all about for yourself. And I hope that's going to leave us all in a wonderfully calm state. And so I'd really like to end the episode with that kind of uh, nice, calm, relaxed mood after that exercise from Claire. So I'm not going to play my usual uh, outro music at the end. I'll just leave you with a few moments of, of calming music. But before that, I just wanted to say that if you enjoy that exercise, you can find more like it by Claire and the Mindfulness in Schools project on YouTube. You'll find a couple of exercises there. One is called Beditation, which is great if you can't sleep. And the other one is called Playing Attention. And I'll link up both of those from the show notes so you can easily find them. So Claire's going to lead us in that live exercise in just a moment. But before we get to that, I just wanted to ask Claire where we should go to find out where to get more information and perhaps some further ideas for exercises and apps we can use to start practicing mindfulness for ourselves. For students, first thing I'd say is try and get your school interested in doing this. And if you want to have some kind of evidence and information that you can give them, we've got lots of resources. So just get in touch with mindfulnessinschools.org and we'll we'll give you some resources to help persuade your teachers this is worth doing. We've trained about five and a half thousand teachers now to teach this stuff in schools and about 550,000 students we think have done it. So it's out there and it's proving very beneficial. So it's well worth doing and or, you know, put your teachers in touch with me and I'll talk to them. Um, and in terms of your own well-being, so, you know, ideally you get a chance to do some, some of this stuff with your teachers at school. And we would always say the ideal is to be taught it in person or, you know, if necessary on Zoom so that you can have discussions afterwards and they can reassure you about, you know, what, what what's normal. Um, so that's the ideal. But if that's not an option for you, then there are lots of really lovely apps out there as a starting point. So some of them I could mention, there's one called Calm, which has all kinds of options on it, which is really lovely. Uh, there's one called Smiling Mind. There's one called Headspace. And you could have a, have a look at those, have a go at those. They're all very accessible. 
There's also a lovely organisation called IBME who run retreats. So for those students who want to really go for it and maybe do a few days in a row during school holiday, they run those sorts of things. They've done them online recently because of social distancing issues, but um, they also do them in person under non-COVID situations. So that that's I, the letter I, the letter B, and then M-E. So it's worth looking them up as well. They've got a branch in America, but they've also now got one in, in the UK. Um, so those are all really nice resources. And just know that a little bit like going to the gym, you don't see the results immediately. So don't give up if you're sitting there and your mind is all over the place. I can be really honest with you and say my mind wanders even when I'm leading a practice. It's just what the mind does. So it's the, it's the noticing when it's wandered and the gentle guiding it back again that is actually the mindfulness training to begin with. Some fantastic recommendations there. Uh, and again, I've linked up all those resources in the show notes uh, together with Claire's own videos on YouTube, uh, meditation and uh, playing for attention from the Mindfulness in Schools project, as, as I mentioned. Uh, I should also say that she's got lots of great information on the Mindfulness in Schools project website itself, which is at mindfulnessinschools.org. And that ranges from research evidence through to case studies of how it's worked uh, to advice on training and lots and lots of support. So all the links you need in the show notes do encourage you to, to dive further. Lots of great advice out there and available. So to finish with today, I'd like to invite you to join uh, Claire, who's going to lead us in a short mindfulness exercise. Just to say this is going to work best if you're able to find a relatively quiet spot where you can sit undisturbed and maybe close your eyes for a few minutes. Claire, over to you. This one is really about becoming familiar with just how busy the mind is without us even necessarily noticing it. Um, so when we're doing some mindfulness, there's no particular way you've got to be or you haven't got to have any special equipment. But what we do recommend you do is you sit with um, both your feet flat on the floor because that's a, a great way of kind of just really grounding yourself. And then just making sure that the body is not tense or tight. So you're not sitting up, you're not sitting to attention, but we say you're sitting with intention. So there's a sense that your body is rising up out of the contact with your seat, but without being uptight. So sitting upright without being uptight. And then the hands can just be wherever they're comfortable. So the whole idea is that we're not, it's not a kind of endurance exercise. You're just comfortable. You can do one of two things. You can either gently close the eyes or if that doesn't feel comfortable, then you can just lower the gaze and, and soften it a little bit. So we're not looking at anything in particular. We're just softening the gaze. And just checking in. So we're going to explore this thing called attention by just kind of moving it around a little bit. So we're going to begin by just dropping attention into the sense of sitting. So just noticing how it feels for the body to be in contact with the seat. You might want to explore, and sometimes it's kind of this slightly kind of unclear sensation of, of contact. So it can sometimes be helpful just to move a little bit in your seat, just to kind of really get a sense of where the contact is showing up. It might be that you can feel your seat bones coming into contact with the seat or just a broader sense of contact and even warmth 
So just spending a moment just doing that. So the idea here is that you're really dropping attention into the body, into the contact with the seat. And then not worrying too much if it's not brilliantly clear or you're noticing already that the mind is wandering somewhere else. But now just imagining that you're almost shining a torchlight. So your attention is a bit like a torchlight. So you're shining a torchlight of attention on this contact with the seat. And now we're going to expand that torchlight out a little bit to include the upper legs. So really noticing now any contact the upper legs might have with the seat. Or maybe contact between the legs and clothing. So not looking for anything in particular, just noticing whatever comes up. And if nothing very clear comes up, that's fine. Just noticing that as well. And then extending the torchlight even further now and including the knees. And here we can get a little bit curious perhaps about the knees. Now the knees are really quite complex things. You know, they've got a front and a back and sides and insides. So really noticing any sensations there. Maybe feeling the stretch of fabric from clothing against the knees. Maybe some creasing at the back of the knee. And extending even further now. So now the, the torchlight is becoming really broad and we're also including the lower leg. Again, really noticing sensations, contact, and perhaps also beginning to notice just the weight of the legs as a whole. They're quite heavy. Often we don't notice because they're so busy doing other things for us, but these, these legs, these muscles and bone, very, very heavy. And then finally, extending that torchlight to include the feet. And again, the feet quite far away from the head, so sometimes we don't pay them much attention. So if it's helpful, you can wiggle the toes or even just press down a little bit onto the floor and then let go and notice any sensations there. Very often tingling, fizzing, pressure, just get a little bit of a, a pins and needles kind of sensation in the feet. So just noticing whatever's there. And also just that sense of the weight of the legs feeding into the contact between the feet and the floor. So just the last little bit of this practice now is to just keep a sense as best you can of the whole of the lower half of the body. So our torchlight of attention is now shining on the lower half of the body and including in that any sensations or movements you're noticing with that, that process of breathing. So really clearly here, we're not, we're not changing the breathing. We're not trying to do anything different with it. We're simply noticing how it's showing up in the body. So it may just be a sense of the, the stomach rising and falling with each breath. 
We're noticing it a little bit in the chest, the rib cage, in the nose, back of the throat. Could be anywhere, maybe somewhere else. But as best we can, just for a kind of a few seconds of silence, just seeing if it's possible to hold that sense of lower half of the body and breath just coming and going. So just resting the attention on the lower half of the body and the sensations of breathing. I'm just going to go quiet for a moment just to let you explore that just for a few moments. So that's, that's a beginning of a sort of a fofbok practice, feet on floor, bottom on chair. And, and if your eyes have been closed, you can open them now. And you might feel a bit numb, so you might want to have a little bit of a wriggle or a stretch. And the other thing I should say is if the, you, know, you noticed your mind wandering, which it almost certainly will do because that's its job, is to constantly be on the lookout for stuff that's interesting or dangerous, then that's okay. Because that's just, you know, part of the mindfulness training is really noticing when that's happened and then gently guiding the attention back to where you want it to be. That's the training. It's a bit like doing a, a brain workout, you know. You, every time it wanders, or puppy training we call it, every time it wanders off, you bring it back. And that muscle of attention, if you like, then becomes stronger the, the more often you do that. Well, I don't know about you listening at home, but I'm feeling very calm and very focused now. So I'm going to wrap up today by saying thank you to Claire for this wonderful conversation. Uh, thank you to you, dear listener, for tuning in today. And as I promised, I'll leave you with just a moment or two of gentle music uh, to ease you back into your day. Have a great week, everyone. And bye for now. Bye.